Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast, Featuring me, Mike Calvin, Glenn Moore of World Soccer, and Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst. We'll be looking at the transfer market and the final days of the January window in some depth later on. But in this week of all weeks, a club's most important signing could well be a new manager. Roy Hodgson has re-emerged from supposed retirement and will be looking after Watford until the end of the season. The situation at Everton can charitably be described as more fluid. Owner Farhad Mashiri initially favoured the underwhelming Portuguese coach, Vitor Pereira. Fans absolutely hated that prospect. They'll be happy with talk of Frank Lampard taking over, which is becoming more likely as time goes on. The fact remains that Everton have spent £75 million sacking managers in recent years. So, Glenn, that can't continue, can it? Well, it's an odd one, isn't it? I mean, they've also spent a huge amount of money on players without noticeably improving the team at all. In fact, the team's probably worse now than it was when Mashiri took over. It's a curious one for Everton fans. I mean, I guess this is proof that money doesn't always equal instant success. I mean, one led to look at for you know, fans of Newcastle. You've, it's a difficult one as well because you've got this guy coming in who's, you know, who's spent a lot of money and has finally got the move from Goodison, you know, and at what looks like going to be a lovely new stadium, but Bramley Duck underway and they... And there's obvious clear progress being made off the pitch in that respect. You don't want to leave, obviously, because um, although he's converted some of the money into equity uh, recently, I mean, some of the loans, you know, having got this position where you've got this generous benefactor, you, you, you want to keep him. But So they don't want to... It's, a, it's quite a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, they're criticising his decisions, but they're trying not to drive away the man and his money. And But you have to say the decisions haven't been that great. It's an absolute exercise in how not to run a football club over the last five years in terms of the choice of managers. I mean, Ancelotti was a good choice and they're a bit unlucky that he left. But otherwise, there's been a whole series of questionable appointments, several of which, I mean, the fans weren't keen on Allardyce either. The fans obviously not keen on Benitez. It doesn't look like they're keen on Pereira. It's a real case of basically... The toy shop syndrome, you know, someone coming in, you know, this is my toy shop, I'm going to do it the way I want, I'm not necessarily going to listen. And it sounds like it, the people he is listening to, you know, maybe influences agents who may not necessarily, well, they're not impartial, put it that way. So it's a, it's a very tricky one. And, I mean, extraordinary that interview he did yesterday, Pereira. Quite, I mean, let's be honest, as journalists, we should not be, you know, should not be criticising that sort of access and openness. Mm. Um, but Fill your boots. Yeah, I know, absolutely. I mean, a great get, but it's unusual. 
Portuguese coach is back in fashion, perhaps. I mean, Lager's done well. I mean, not sure they've ever gone out of fashion, but unlike Bruno Lager, he's, he's got no experience in England. He's, he's, a, he's a curious choice, yes. Well, he's certainly been out of work recently and hasn't done an awful lot, let's be honest, since winning the Greek League with Olympiakos in 2015. Of course, he won titles in Portugal with Porto in 2012 and 13. You know, how relevant that is nearly a decade on, who knows? Aid. The atmosphere at a football club at a time like this, you know, brought in Duncan Ferguson for who knows how long. How difficult is it to galvanise a team to actually, you know, essentially play for their lives in the Premier League when all this is going on? It's a distraction, but the players just want a manager that they believe in, a manager that they think can take them forward and improve their careers. And, and Because footballers have these short careers, all they want is to, to achieve the most success that they can. Some prioritise money over, over, over other things. But in general, they just want to maximise their opportunities. And if they see a manager that, that isn't good enough, then, then obviously we've seen it so many times down the years where, where that motivation just drops a couple of percent and that's it, they're done and you have to move on. So, so it's important that... Everton get this one right. From the outside looking in, it appears there's more football expertise in the stands at Goodison Park than there is in the boardroom. And I think that that is the crux of the matter, really. and And the players might sense that too. And I think if the players sense that, then they might question whether they want to be at Everton in the long term. Because it's... You've got a couple of guys at the top, you know, a couple of rich fellas that that really don't know what they're doing. Then it, it does filter down to the dressing room, and they think, "Well, are we really going to achieve our goals here with these two in charge?" The fans know more about football than these guys, so so I think this is a really really important decision. It is an underwhelming sort of recent CV from from Pereira. Five months at Fenerbahce, took 1860 Munich down. He doesn't look like the best candidate for the job. Yeah, that I think they need to have a little bit of a rethink. It, ordinarily, I'd say that fans shouldn't be deciding who's who's in charge of the club, but but it does appear that they know more about what's needed than than the guys in charge. Mm. The general era confusion, Glenn, seems to be underlined by the fact that you've got three recent signings under Benitez. Michael Enko, Patterson and Al Ghazi, who already seem to be on the outside looking in within that squad. You know, even a club with Everton's traditions isn't too good to go down, is it? No, it's no use relying on the teams below them being worse because obviously Watford have now got a new manager that we've come on to who may well do the job. Newcastle have got shed loads of money and it looked like the manager start to spend some of it. And, and Norwich have suddenly shown a revival. So you've got a situation whereby it is possible for that gap to be closed if everything doesn't start picking up points to keep away from it. Uh, there is um, a certain level of chaos. It must be yeah, Just because you're a famous old club doesn't mean you can't get relegated. Yeah, I mean, have, it's, it's less rare these days. But yeah, Newcastle have obviously gone down. Man City went down 20-odd you know, years ago. There are some, you know, there's, some, there's some big slumbering giants in the Championship and it's not that easy to come back as quite a lot of them have found. Again, we're saying about you know, his record, even the title wins. I mean, Olympiacos, it was the third win in a, in a run of five. I mean, basically everybody won the title, yeah, Olympiacos. Porto, they've only won two titles in eight years since he left, but they've won, it was like they'd won 79 beforehand. I mean, these weren't particularly, you know, it's always great to win a championship, but they weren't particularly good jobs. 
Fenerbahce were reigning champions when he took over midway for the season. That didn't work out that well. And when they, they won the relegation battle, they lost in, in Germany. And he said it's because they didn't spend any money. Well, Everton haven't got a lot of money to spend. And obviously with um, four, four or five days to go to the end of the transfer window, they're not going to have much time to spend what little they do have. So you're going to have to work with the squad you've got. And as, you know, as Adrian pointed out, if your players like you know, the top players there, like Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Jordan Pickford, you're going to be wondering, is there a future at this club? You know, and you know, by the time the new ground's built and so on, where will I be? It's a short career, as I just said. And yeah, they're going to be players who are going to be in demand if there's no sign of things progressing. So this is an absolutely vital decision to get right. And also, as Pereira did say, timing is, is crucial because there are only a few days left if you're going to take any kind of extra investment whatsoever. But as for those three new signings, they must be wondering what's going on. He's signed by one bloke and he disappears, you know, a couple of days later. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. What's all this say, Aid, about you know the managerial market? Because, okay, Frank Lampard has his allies. I can understand there is a, a certain reluctance to invest in in Wayne Rooney, but you know, look, looking to the long term, he could be a good option. But who else? It, it doesn't seem as if the managerial marketplace is is flush with outstanding candidates at the moment. Maybe that's part of the the issue here I just don't know where I stand on Frank Lampard I don't know how good a manager he actually is he did pretty well with Derby but he did have a lot of funds at that time at the club and he couldn't take them up Uh, at Chelsea he did well with a limited budget at the start gave gave young players a chance got them into the top four but then they stagnated so there's no real sort of discernible style of play I'd, I'd say with Frank yet he could be a very good manager. I'm just not sure. So I think he would represent a slight gamble, maybe more of a gamble than, than Rooney. I have to say, and I've seen quite a lot of Derby, Rooney are an ex, uh, Derby are an extremely well-coached team. Now, whether that, how much of that is Wayne and how much of that is the, the coaching staff around him, I'm not sure. But, but they know what they're doing. They're very well prepared for each match. And in difficult circumstances, I think he's doing... A phenomenal job so he, he just hasn't got very many players to work with I think Rooney might be able to handle it if given the opportunity and, and personally it, even though it's a it's a short spell that he's had in management give me the choice I, I would go to Rooney over over Pereira for sure and maybe over Lampard as well given his links with Everton so so in my opinion he he is a standout candidate here and an, yeah, I th- he's clearly gettable because mm-hmm. he won't need much excuse to, to to leave Derby County. I'm sure. I think I think Rooney for Everton is a tra- is a is a something that is going to happen at some point. The question is whether it happens now. A bit like Lampard and Chelsea. The danger is like Lampard and Chelsea happens too early, and once you've been in there once, it's, it's a bit more complicated going back. Maybe they should be looking at people like Steve Cooper at Forest. Maybe they should be looking at people like Michael O'Neill at Stoke. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get Graham Potter, but. You know, David Moyes is probably the most successful manager they've had there, and he came from Preston. It's a snobbish about it. it's got to be someone famous or someone foreign. There are some good managers out there if they're prepared to take the gamble and the fans are prepared to accept them. Yeah, what about, you know, Watford have been down this road before, haven't they, Aid? You know, Roy Hodgson, that's a pretty much a no-risk appointment, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. They just need to start picking up points and, and clean sheets and, and that's kind of what Roy Hodgson does. He organises, he he works from a solid base and, yeah, if there's anything... There's something Watford aren't at the moment, that's that's solid. They've got some dangerous forward players. They look 
constructed to to really hurt teams on the counter-attack. Ismail Lassar's coming back to full fitness now, I understand. Emmanuel Dennis has had a phenomenal campaign. Josh King, I like. Really hard-working centre-forward that's that's very good in a counter-attacking side. So I think he's got the, the Arsenal up front. He just needs to organise the, the players at the back and, and he's much better placed than Claudio Ranieri to do that. You know, blessing Claudio did, did a phenomenally at Leicester City, but but yeah, across his body of work, I don't think there's much evidence that that's that's his forte really. So, see, I think it's I think it is actually the best appointment that Watford could have made. The only slight surprise is that is that Roy's up for it. You know, he's he's knocking on a bit. I thought he might might start to enjoy his retirement, but clearly that that fire is still burning. He's he's like why well, he's like um, Neil Warnock. I mean, he, or Bobby Robson. He doesn't want to give up. You know, he, he loves being involved, doesn't he? And um, I do think it's the ideal appointment in terms of organ. I remember interviewing Bobby Zamora year, years ago at Fulham and when he was there, and Bobby saying that basically training was really really boring. It's just <laughs> lots and lots of functional work, moving, you know, keeping your distances, positional stuff like that. Is it? But it works. We've seen the results, yeah. So we're doing it. It's, you know, it's boring, but it works, and they were climbing the table. Yeah, there were a couple of associated stats that um, you know I, I couldn't resist coming out with here, and and with due deference to the guys who came up with those stats, Rich Jolly and Colin Owens, Roy Hodgson's the sixth man to manage Watford since they kept a Premier League clean sheet, which is bizarre at the best, isn't it? And the other one is Watford's last two managers have a combined age which is 144, older than the club, which has been around for 141 years. Glenn, is it is it an advantage that, that Hodgson's brief will be narrow, basically organise the team, keep them up, the rest of the stuff, the transfers and everything else, just goes on around him? Yes, I mean, you can't do any transfers anyway now with the window virtually closed and they're not short of players, Watford. There's plenty there, brought in by umpteen different managers. And also, um, I mean, there's a deal, isn't there, that possible extension for another year. I suspect if he keeps it up, he will want to do another year and he will be at the back of his mind thinking about next year and how he might change things. But in the short term, it's, yeah, keep them up. And one of the complaints at Palace was that the football was a bit functional, a bit boring. Watford fans won't be too bothered whether football is functional boring this season because it's just a, a case of keeping up. So, I mean, what is it? I, you know, the lack of clean sheets is an obvious one. I can see that stopping fairly quickly. As Adrian says, there, there is the firepower to score goals at the other end. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's a very narrow brief and it's one that should uh, suit, suit Roy down to the ground. Yeah. What do you make of what's going on at Newcastle, Aid? Are they starting to appreciate how hard it is to spend their newfound money? There are people playing hardball with them in all sorts of different areas. You know, there's a Saudi premium price for players. You know, what do you think is going on there? Well, <laughs> I think it's obvious that, that other clubs will try to rip Newcastle off. It's 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 a no-brainer, isn't it? That it's the January window. It's hard to prize players away, good players especially. And if you want them, you're going to have to pay that price. And when you know know how flush they are with cash, then you've got to chance your arm, haven't you? I mean, Manchester United are taking liberties with Jesse Lingard. That is for sure. Asking for a twelve million pound bonus if if relegation is avoided, on top of wages and and a loan fee. So, so but but. Yeah, I, I don't like that because it's potentially stifling Jesse's career. But but yeah, it's it's their prerogative, isn't it? He's their player. So I, I think it's a little bit like Everton 
I don't know how much football expertise there is in the building and how joined up the thinking is with Eddie Howe and Amanda Staveley and Nicky Hammond, who's obviously been brought in as sort of, you know, to oversee the transfer window on a, on a short-term basis. Now, Nicky knows football, but this is a different different level to what he's been used to, isn't it? And um, his, his con- I don't know how strong his contacts are uh, in regards to the, to the type of players Newcastle are, are targeted. It, it feels a little bit of a sort of, let's play as many shots as we can and see see how many land it it doesn't feel that strategic does it right now um but they need they just need to get better players into the building and give eddie something to work with between now and and may and 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 yeah but what i find most boggling so far is is the lack of defenders obviously trippy has come in but they have to get at least three more defend defensive players in in that dressing room quickly and it feels like it's going to be a bit of a panic up at the last minute. Yeah, well, they're being linked with you know, everyone possibly on the planet. If you're talking <laughs> about defenders there, Aid, and maybe this one to you, Glenn, you know, if you're looking at a left-back, Leverkusen's Mitchell Backer or PSG's Levan Kazawa, they've been linked at centre-backs with Issa Diop from West Ham, Nat Phillips from Liverpool in midfield, you know, Gigi Wijnaldum. Todd Cantwell from Norwich, Mario Balotelli. You know, it's almost transfer bingo, isn't it? And when you have a a potentially key signing like Bruno Guimaraes, you know, people were saying thirty-four million pounds. That Brazilian DM from Leon was was sorted out. All of a sudden, Leon's saying, "Oh, hang on a second. It's no way to run a railway, is it, Glenn?" No, but you're never going to get that. Yeah, that price thing. I mean, Leon, uh, Michel Orlas there has always driven a hard bargain. I can see where Man United are coming from. I mean, they don't want to sell Lingard to a rival. And Newcastle, so they've turned down West Ham and Spurs. Newcastle, if you're at United's boardroom, you're thinking Newcastle will be a rival in about three or four years. So if we can delay that by a year or two by them getting relegated, that's all well and good. So if we're, if we're going to help them survive, we're going to make sure we drive a hard price for it. I suspect there will be an accommodation of about seven or eight million or something like that, and it will happen, but, you know, who knows? But look at a lot of those players, with the exception of Target, who's only just been displaced, most of those players are out of favour, have hardly played all season, you know, and therefore they're expected to drop straight into a very frenetic relegation campaign where the games will be coming thick and fast over the next few weeks. And with players they've never you know, played with and a manager who's not been there that long, it's not going to be easy. I mean, for obvious reasons, players who are settled are less likely to be allowed to leave. You know, clubs are looking to get rid of dead wood, basically. And that's what Newcastle are going to be resorting to signing in most cases, unless they pay absolute top dollar for players to deprive them away from you know, decent clubs and contracts and playing positions. So it is a very difficult window. And you know, with... Yeah, improvement elsewhere, the uh, relegation race looks like being a fascinating one. Yeah, I mean, when we're looking at United uh, aid, Anthony Martial has, has joined Sevilla on loan. Crystal Palace are pushing very hard to be the refuge for Donny van der Beek. Those two exits from Old Trafford, you know, they might just be on a temporary basis. There's some logic to both of them, isn't there? Definitely, yeah. And, and they're both excellent players. So it... it... It's one of the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reluctance to to sort of give up on them to some degree, but but they're clearly not part of the plans. I think Martial's been up against it ever since 
the emergence of, of Rashford and, uh, and and the fact that they brought in Cavani and, and Ronaldo to play up front. There's just no space for Anthony Martial. And he's a player that I think needs to be loved. You need to, he needs to have a cuddle. He needs to have that arm around him. And, and he's not really had that with recent Manchester United managers. So... He needs to go. I'm sure. I'm sure he can succeed elsewhere. He's 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 an excellent player. So is Donny Van der Beek. He's just there's just not really a place for him in the Manchester United team. Not with Bruno Fernandes there, Pogba there, and and the system that they play currently. So I think it's just a confidence issue with Van der Beek. He could be tremendous for Crystal Palace. I think within that system, the four three three with Vieira. We've seen Conor Gallagher, how brilliant he's been as a box-to-box goal-scoring midfielder. Well, he could easily mirror that on the other side of whoever plays as the as the principal defensive midfielder for the Eagles. So Van der Beek and Gallagher running off, you know, joining in, taking turns to join in with attacks. I think I think works. They, they're both industrious players as well without the ball. So yeah, I I like that that potential move, and and personally, I hope it happens because. I feel desperately sorry for Van der Beek, who's, who's, who's a talent that's currently being wasted. Yeah, I've got sympathy for both of them. I mean, from Martial, I could see he's under Solskjaer, but it can't be easy when you've been shunting from position to position and every manager's got a slightly different technique. I mean, even like, it's taken a while for Fernandes to find his position in Rangnick's formation because Rangnick's formation, theoretically, hasn't got a place for a player like that. But it looks like he's going to be too good to keep out. In, in some respects, you know, I pay tribute to those players who continue to perform at a high level of clubs regardless of the managerial churn. The ones that, you know, unlike Ndombele, the, the manager who nobody picks, the player who no <laughs> manager picks, um, the ones who every manager picks. I mean, United, I mean, you know, actually, Wan-Bissaka's played most games under various managers. I know he's got his, he's got his critics there, but he has played for under most of the managers they've had. Uh, even Fred's played quite a lot of games. But, you know, like someone like Craig Cathcart at Watford, for all those managers, he's nearly always in the team. Um, it's it's Mali Asar, Ducoy at two clubs now. You know, managers keep picking him. It can't be easy, you know, being a player with that constant churn. I mean, Adrian would know more. But, you know, when you've got different managers with different ideas, you know, everyone's got a slightly different sort of where you're going to play and so on, to, to keep that level of performance consistently despite the sort of stuff going on around you. Yeah, you, you, very quickly, you got you just got to find a manager that that trusts you and that puts you into the role that's that brings the best out of you. And it's clear for Van der Beek and for Martial that they haven't got that at Manchester United, so they have to go. It's just it's just it's a sensible parting of the ways for me. Yeah, you mentioned Ndombélé there, Glenn. You know, a few fun and games around him. You know. It looked like he was going to PSG, and then PSG was suddenly concerned about the size of their squad. Surprise, surprise. Clubs will be opportunistic in this situation. With Spurs in mind, I think we can probably be safe in the knowledge that there's going to be a few frantic days ahead for them. Is it all likely to go down to the last minute, as it so often does under uh, Daniel Levy? It normally does under Daniel Levy, doesn't it? As if he sort of spends the first... It's like the poker player comes at the very last moment. I mean... He often gets it right, but not always. It's very high risk. Must be deeply frustrating as a manager. There is the benefit, I suppose, in this particular transfer window that in that we're basically not playing for two weeks. I can recall transfer windows when the window was shut on the night of matches, which has been absolutely must be horrendous as a manager when you're trying to run a game and also oversee transfers. I can remember the column we used to at the Independent with um, with Neil Warnock. Yeah, last minute transfer scrambles. Yeah, people trying to get medicals. Yeah, fax machines. Yeah, midnight. There was the one um, they had. Well, I think Sky caught 
what a player, I think he might have been punching coming into the building at QPR when he was supposed to come in. And Southampton rang up and says, he's a play. You know, we haven't given him permission yet. <laughs> not to pay an extra 50 grand. Yeah, what's a, what's we, a fax machine, by the way? <clears throat> punch and paid out of his own pocket, you know, because QPR was not our fault. You're supposed to stay around the corner. Yeah, he'd actually caught on camera. So it's, it's an absolutely frantic couple of days. And Levy likes to see himself, to get back to Levy, as the master of this situation. You know, always driving a, the hardest bargain, the best deal. Which must make for some interesting conversations with Antonio Conte, who's not one to step back. It does look like they could have quite a good window, Spurs. But we won't know until late on Monday night. Yeah, well, it looks like Conte's influence is probably being felt in the idea of getting Adama Traore in from Wolves and maybe trans- transitioning to a, to a right wing back that probably will be decent business at around about 20 million they've been linked also to Porto's Colombian winger Luis Diaz who's scored 16 goals and assisted in six others in 28 games they're talking about 46 million Porto surprise surprise want more how do you see it all shaking down aid well it it depends what 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 Conte wants to do tactically, we know that he likes wing backs, but we've also seen him flip it, haven't we, in recent games because of a, a an issue basically with the wing backs. He needs more from them, and if he can't if he can't get enough creativity from his wing backs, then I think he could easily ditch it and go to a back four and and bring in a one extra attacking midfielder. For me, that would probably probably be the better bet. In, in which case, then the whole issue of signing wing-backs would be null and void. Traore is an interesting one, isn't he? Because Traore is one of the most destructive players I think I've ever seen in terms of his pace, the way that he, he can penetrate defences, the, the brilliance on the counter-attack. Yet he very rarely scores and he very rarely sets up a goal. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? I just think he's going to be, always be a player that, that manages believe they can turn in terms of I can get that end product out of him and, and if there is a manager out there that can do it you think it might be Conte and 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 yeah if they can get him for 20 million there is an unreal player there but a couple of years ago at Wolves there was a point where I don't know whether there was a player out there on the planet that was that was ripping apart defenses more consistently than than Traore who now finds himself on the bench at Wolves? It's it's a really he's a curious player. Hard to hard to sort of grade him really, but but there is that potential, and a manager I think would always be tempted because of his his unbelievable speed. And, and like he did it, he, made, he turned Victor Moses into a very effective player for Chelsea. He, he, that could be the case with Traore. He, look, let's face it, Traore at wing back can't be worse than Emerson Royale or Jaffa Tanganga or or Matt Doherty potentially it's just not happening for those guys I think I mean Troy always finishes diabolical but there was a period when he did set up quite a lot of goals when Jimenez was really on form He's, you know so you can see Kane would flourish from that sort of service but um, yeah it could be um wouldn't like to play against him when he's tearing down the wing with that extra, tw- no, with that extra 20 yards he's got starting at the wing back position so he would have built up quite a lot of pace he's like Jonah Loma coming towards you It'd be it'd be the smell of the baby oil that would put me off. Um, <laughs> against the best teams, though, and and Spurs, look, Spurs have got a long way to go before you can say that they're one of the best teams. Would you trust Adama Traore when he gets pushed back into a back five? I, I, I don't. I don't think I would. I think that the other teams would would potentially target target his defensive play. So it's well all well and good, uh, you know, th- thinking in theory he's the guy because. 
because of the way he can play on the counter. But but yeah, he he would also make mistakes. I'm sure of that. He wouldn't be the perfect solution. But yeah, I think it'd be an interesting signing. Mm-hmm. And then Diaz would be exciting. It's tremendous in the Copa America. I know it's um, always slightly unwise to buy off tournaments, but clearly he's still doing the business domestically as well. Mm. What do you think of Aston Villa, um, Glenn? They seem to be building shrewdly, linked with uh, Rodrigo uh, Betancourt from Juventus. That seems to, to fit the pattern of the team development, you know, an upgrade basically at, at defensive midfield. They're having quite a good window at the moment, aren't they? I mean, Coutinho's obviously had a brilliant start, which um, would be ideal, I mean, given the year he's had, well, the several years he's had with Barcelona, to come in and, and immediately make an impact. You know, he lifts your confidence and feel at home. Uh, he does look like Gerard's got a, a fairly a, a strong idea of what sort of team he's shaping, and that will be an upgrade, you say, on uh, Douglas Lewis. I, I think they've certainly, and, you know, uh, Digne is an excellent player. So it does look like, yeah, this is, as we mentioned, a, a difficult window in which to buy players. And it does look like Villa are going to come out with one of the better windows, of my, particularly if they get uh, better and Kerr, you know, to, to really push on the second half of the season. But things do look, there's a real sense of progress at Villa Park at the moment. Mm. What about Arsenal, Aid, the club with which you're associated? No goal for a minute short of seven hours. So obviously a striker is is what they need. Looks like Dusan Vlaovic is going to join Juventus. Where do where do they go? It, it doesn't look like you can trust Aubameyang to be quite frank. But can you get rid of him when he's on three hundred thousand a week? It's a toughie, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've seen that Arteta is not afraid to sort of get rid of players to to. to instill that harmony within the rest of the group. It's not great when you've got a, a captain that's been removed from that post, sort of loitering around. So I, I do think that they they need to find a home for Bamiyang potentially on, on loan. I, do, I think it's gone on too long now for it to be resurrected. I, that, that's the feeling. I, I don't know what's going on with their relationship, but it, it's dragged so far on. I understand that he's not gone to Dubai for the training camp. That to me tells me that, that Arteta... He's done with him, so so they have to look elsewhere. There are options, aren't there? Alexander Isak at Sociedad is, is is a player of real promise, great age, had a better season last season than, than he is having right now. So that's that's one mild bit of concern. I think Luka Jovic at Real Madrid might be the stopgap solution on loan if it, if it's true that they're going for him. You know, he's a striker of pedigree. He, he can score, he can hold the ball, he can produce assists. The one that really excites me, though, for Arsenal is, is their interest in Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think that he is a, a potentially tremendous centre-forward. I think that he's, his data, you know, you look at his minutes per goal, you look at all the stats for his performances at Everton, it, it tells you that he, he, he is the real deal. I think he's an excellent number nine, great in the air, holds the ball up really quick, deceptively quick, and, and in a team... You know, in a team like Arsenal, I think he could thrive. I really do. They often put in a lot of crosses for no one, yeah. for no one, basically, <laughs> especially Kieran Tierney. The other day, they put in I think twenty three crosses from open play. Barely any of them reached 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 the target. If Calvert Lewin was in there, that 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 would change. I'm a huge fan of his, and 
I would love to see them get this one over the line, but whether Everton can can sell sell a player, you know, in the current climate with the state of flux that they're in is is, is hard to believe. So Arsenal would have to really push the boat out and, and potentially get the player to to, to angle for that move in the next couple of days. That is the one I'd love to see more than any of the others. I cannot imagine Everton selling him now. I mean, there's already unrest to sell Cavalier, who's, on, who's um, didn't he sign a quite a long contract extension not that long ago? I mean, uh, they, it'd be insane to sell him, particularly when you're facing the danger of relegation. Maybe they could chuck in a Bamiyang on a, on a, on a little loan deal. Just, <laughs> just, to, just... just whatever the dressing room needs. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. It's hard to hard to hard to imagine that one, but but you know I can dare to dream. In the summer, I could see it happening in the summer. Yeah, you know, with a, you know, particularly if it's a lot of money, so whoever the new manager is can use it to restructure the team slightly. I mean, interesting piece from Johnny Northcliffe for the weekend. Yeah, our centre forwards going out of fashion anyway. Yeah, the, the top teams aren't playing them, and, and as for banging in twenty three crosses against Burnley of all teams, I mean that was just daft. Mm, yeah. What about you know, there are so many different models out there, aren't there, Glenn? Wolves. It does seem to sort of pivot around the influence of Jorge Mendes, whose agency business is part owned by the Wolves owners, Fosun. You know, you just had a, the late I think it's the tenth Portuguese players come in, Chiquinho signed from Estoril for three million. Given all the sort of insecurities and turbulence in this current window, was it a really good move, sensible move, to trigger that sixteen million euro release clause to confirm the signing of uh, Hang Hee Chan? Probably. I mean, he's not had that many games for him, but he's looked quite promising. And if you've already got a player who's bedded in to an extent, so you've, you've done the, you know, you've had a good look at him. Yeah, you feel it was going to work. Yeah, you might as well trigger, trigger it and hang on to him. I mean, that's that's not a particularly expensive fee. I mean, the interesting thing about Walls, I mean, the, um, I mean, the Mendes thing is obviously. Interesting. I guess if you're the club, if it works for the club, and it has worked for Wolves so far, by and large. I mean, when he became involved, they were in the Championship. I guess you know the, the fans are perfectly happy. Uh, it, might, it might work for everybody all round. Though you do wonder. I mean, there's been a lot of chatter the last couple of days about Nevers going to Arsenal. Can't see that helping Wolves. So you wonder, what, you know, who's push, who's pushing that move? Be, be a good signing for for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, so p- p- picking up uh, Chan, you know, good good move. And it's working for them so far. And, you know, clearly, I mean, Lager will be involved in, you know, closely related to them. Uh, it's, I guess, there is, as you say, there's room for lots of different models in the Premier League. And we do have lots of different sort of ownership structures and management structures. Certainly more efficient than what we've got at Everton at the moment. <laughs> yeah, true. I suppose, you know, if we're looking for a, a feel-good story in this window, we really shouldn't look too much further than Christian Eriksen linked with Brentford, currently training with Ajax Reserves. As a player, you know, I don't want to put you in a, a difficult position here, Aid, but if you'd had the same problem, would you keep playing? <laughs> uh, and I know we don't well, know the details. You, you know. Yeah, until you're in that position. Personally, I am surprised that, that Christian wants to continue playing because that was such a scare for his family and for his loved ones. and uh, But maybe the doctors have, have just given him unbelievable assurances that, that the thing that's been fitted inside him will, will ensure that that he doesn't go through that experience again. And, I, and if that's a persuasive argument, then and of course he'll want to play. I, I think I would have 
probably walked away from the game and just played it safe. I, I, that, that's, but that's just a personal, mm. a personal thing. You know, there was a guy who played for Southend, Stevenage, Mitchell Cole, really good player back in the day, and and he had a, a heart issue, and and he was sort of told to told not to play, and, and I think he couldn't resist, and I think he had the odd run out in a five sides, you know, post retirement, and, and and he did end up having you know having a cardiac arrest and and passing away. So so yeah, that's in my head uh, when when you ask me that question. That that's what immediately comes to my mind. I don't know whether I would risk it. And but but look, if the player himself is comfortable, if Brentford are comfortable, you know Frank Thomas Frank knows Ericsson, doesn't he? Then then it it could work, and he's he's a class player, of course he is, and he I'm sure he'd be an asset to them. Their links with Brennan Johnson are also interesting, by the way. They're really desperate to get him. Good player in the Championship, rapid. I think he'd be an excellent partner for for Ivan Tony up top. He'd probably usurp Brian and Bremo. He'll score more goals, I think. But if you're Forrest, you can't sell Brennan Johnson. You've got to resist. You have to. They've not had a chance like this to get promoted under Steve Cooper, who's been excellent, for donkey's years. And Brennan Johnson is their main man. He's their best chance of, of getting back into the Premier League. They've got to resist Nottingham Forest. And 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 if they don't go up, they can sell him in the summer. I'm sure um, Ericsson's had long conversations with Daily Blend, who's had a similar yep. situation, uh, yeah, and will be, yeah, obviously um, in Holland. I know, I know Fabrice Moramba said he wouldn't be happy watching it. He said he wouldn't be, probably wouldn't be watching his games. Maybe James Taylor as well, the cricketer, also stepped back. I guess it's down to every individual, isn't it? And and mm. their families. Be interesting, um, yeah, to see how the family feel about it. But uh, mm. it's a difficult, it's a difficult choice. It's very, very much a personal choice. Mm. It does seem a bit trite talking about football in those circumstances, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, to, to pick up your point about Brennan Johnson aid, you know, it looks like inevitably, you know, Newcastle are maybe thought to be hijacking. You know, Brentford came in with a second bid of eighteen million, I think. Newcastle now, obviously, you know, they're going to be linked with everyone, as, we, as we've already discussed. They're now even talking about bidding forty million for. Armando Brogio, who's done so well at Southampton, actually so well, in fact, that Southampton want to pay a club record £25 million for him. Where are we going with all that? <laughs> well, they can. If you've got the muscle, you might as well flex it, I suppose, if you're Newcastle. Brogio is a good player. I do like him. Really promising. And I think from Chelsea's angle, surely they will sell. Surely they will sell because the new FIFA rules coming in, mean that they can't own as many players. They're not going to be able to loan out as many individuals moving forward, are they? So that I think there'll be a big, big sale of all the players that, that are good, but maybe not quite good enough for, for Chelsea. And maybe Brozier falls into into that category. Can't blame Southampton for making it. I think it's quite a, quite a good bid, actually, quite a generous bid at 25 million because it's a real small sample size so far. But he does, he does look a player. If Newcastle want to pay 40... Then Chelsea will will steer him in that direction, I'm sure. But but personally, I th- I think he's found quite a, quite a good home actually at Southampton, working with Hassan Hootel. I think that might be the best move for his development. I wonder if Southampton the foresight to put an option to buy in the clause. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, do do you think, Glenn, that we're seeing over the last couple of weeks? You know, the top three have got different priorities. You know, Chelsea. Okay, there are murmurs about. 
players unhappy with Tuchel and they might move on. You're looking at probably a defensive realignment at the end of the season. Rudiger, Aspilicueta has been linked to Barcelona. Their planning is much more measured, isn't it? And I suppose that's a, a, a measure of the club itself and the, and the size and the stature of it. Well, I guess you can afford to. When, when things are going well, you just... It's like, yeah, if your house is fine, you're not bothering to you know, do massive repairs, you just do a bit of decorating. Um, <laughs> those clubs are, are well run, they're in a strong position, so it's just tinkering around the edges. I mean, they've all got, um, well, not you know, not Chelsea, but I mean, certainly Liverpool and Manchester City got established managers. Chelsea got an established structure and pattern, uh, even if the manager changes on a fairly regular basis. And they do have you know, quite a long-term planning. I mean, the... Um, the interesting thing about Chelsea is when they, when will they actually start challenging to win the challenging consistently deep into the season to win the championship again? Because it has been a while now. Although they, you know, obviously they won the European Cup, so and they pick up plenty of cups and trophies. So it's not as if they're doing badly. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, it, but if you're in that position where you're one of those clubs that you are successful, you're doing well, you're, you're merely just updating. I just 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 up, yeah, you know, like your like your phone. It's just an upgrade every now and again. Uh, that sort of stuff on your on your operating system, effectively. And in particular, yeah, you know, City buying players for the long term. Liverpool got some very good young players. I mean, J D. Gordon players like that. You know, they, they picked up. I mean, Kevin Derby or players that are coming right for the youth system. Just, just dropping those players. A lot of very very good young players, both at Liverpool and City, and indeed Chelsea. And those players are getting a bit of opportunity, getting a few opportunities coming in, coming out. And then slowly they start establishing themselves. I mean, players like Curtis Jones and, and Saar, um, yeah, they just you see their names on the team sheet more and more, and, and they're very, very letting their managers down. Mm. Oh, very quickly on Chelsea, I think they're not far away. That they're, they're, they're an on fire Eden Hazard away. I think from being a real team, that's what they're missing. Mm. That that sort of line breaker, someone to. To, to light up matches in and around Lukaku. The structure of the team is amazing, as we know. Got great midfielders, excellent wing-backs when they're fit. You've got Lukaku, who I still believe in, that he will score goals. It's just, I guess, the likes of Pulisic and Havertz and and, and Hudson-Odoi, are they the ones to really take them forward? I don't think they are. I think that, that, that a truly world-class dribbler that scores goals... Is, is where Chelsea need to be looking, but they, they can afford right now to just be patient, can't they, and like, take their time to identify that person. Mm. Manchester City, Glenn, you know, the only player that, that they've been associated with is Julian Alvarez from River Plate. You know, talk of, I think it's 16 million for someone who's, you know, obviously going to be referred to as the new Aguero. Um isn't the reality that a player like that is likely to be farmed out to one of the clubs in the the global network, you know, someone like Girona or someone like that? Probably. And it will be interesting to see as these FIFA regulations take a bite, whether the clubs, you know, those clubs that do have global networks, you end up sort of selling them to your associate club and then buying them back. So you're not technically loaning them. You know, there's quite a lot of, yeah, you know, this whole idea of having these feeder clubs, these farm clubs. I mean, City have done it very well. It's going to, it's only going to increase. I mean, I see Southampton's new owners. They talked about doing that kind of idea. It's been mentioned at Newcastle already. So I mean, no great surprise. Globalisation has happened in other industries. I mean, you, know, you look at yeah, you know, say Whitbread. We used to know them as a brewery company. Where they they don't actually 
own a brewery anymore, but they, they run leisure clubs and stuff. So that, that sort of expansion and globalisation has spread all over everywhere else in business. So there's no obvious reason why it wouldn't happen in football. And only, you know, you know, car companies own plants all around the world and so on. So that will be the, you know, the ongoing development. So you will get these players coming in and every now and again, the thing about, the thing about a club like City, they can afford to take a chance. If it turns out, you know, he's just a one-season, two-season wonder, and he never gets anywhere near the City first team, that's not a problem. That's not a problem for them. He'd have a decent career somewhere else. He would have had the benefit of some great training and, and expertise. So in that respect, it's a sort of win-win all round. Yeah, if you can afford to buy that many players, I mean, obviously, you said they've only bought one, but they can afford to take chances on players, which not necessarily other teams can't. Mm. There are going to be a few careers on the line in the next sort of 72 hours or so. Which player would you mark out as the one that's most in need of a move by Monday night. <laughs> Start with you, Aid. Oh, can I? I got, I got a long list. <laughs> I've got a short list. Go for it. There are, so, there are so many. I mean, there are a couple of Arsenal. I'll just drop in. I'm sure Glenn would, probably wouldn't use these. Aubameyang, for sure. And Burnt Leno. Burnt Leno needs to needs to, to move, I think. you know, He's too good to be a number two and whatnot. There's no cup competitions to play in this season for Arsenal. So out of everybody... I would say I'd go back to Donny van der Beek. I, I just don't think he's he's going to um, make it at Manchester United, and but I, I don't write off his career. I think that he's more than good enough to bounce back. He just needs to find a home where he's loved. And 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 yeah, if if in the short term it's a loan at Palace, that might be enough to to get him get his career back on track. So yeah, I'll, I'll pick out van der Beek. Well, the transfer I'd love to see is Burnley replacing Chris Wood with Vincent Abu Bakar, the, um, who's been tearing up for Cameroon in the uh, African Cup of Nations. But I suspect they might struggle to get him out of uh, Saudi Arabia and his €6 million Euro a year salary, uh, <laughs> reportedly. I did wonder about Ross Barkley, who obviously needs to get away from Chelsea. But if I had to pick one, I'd go for Aaron Ramsey, who I still think you know, he's shown with Wales. He's still a terrific player. He needs a club that has shown him a little bit of love and has a good medical and strength and conditioning department. He's only 31. Yeah, I'd love to see him back here. He's a terrific player. But and the album Barkley obviously needs a move. Yeah. Well, the implosion of Deli Alley's career is both poignant and puzzling. I first met him as a 16-year-old. He was impudent, instinctive, a force of nature. Big move and an England place followed quickly. Too much too soon? Perhaps. But the talent remains hidden by the rust of inactivity and, let's be honest, a bit of complacency. We told five Premier League clubs, Brighton, Burnley, Everton, Southampton and, of course, Newcastle, are seeking to sign him. They know a good thing when they see one. He's a reclamation project, but at 25, his best years could be ahead of him. In the meantime... Thanks to Adrian and Glenn for their insight. And thank you for listening to the Football Writers Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.